Do clothes make the man? Or is it the other way around? In other words, does what I wear influence how I think about myself? Or does how I think about myself influence what I wear? Mark Twain answered this question once, tongue in cheek. He says, of course clothes make the man. Naked people have little or no influence on society. <laughs> More seriously, this past year, uh, the Men's Warehouse conducted a survey. Now, this was not an unbiased survey, I don't think. But they found that men who dressed up, that 41% of them experienced an increase in their self-confidence, simply from the fact that they were wearing nicer clothes. 25% felt more accomplished. Not were more accomplished, they just felt more accomplished. And 23% felt smarter. And from those numbers, you would think, yes, clothes do make the man. The, the nicer you dress, the better you feel about yourself. On the other hand, however, in that same survey, they found that the single biggest reason why people didn't dress up was that they considered themselves to be ordinary Joes. That was the language that the survey used. That that's why people chose not to wear fancier clothes is because they didn't think of themselves as fancy people. So from that portion of the survey, you would say, no, clothes don't make the man. The man makes the clothes. How you feel about yourself determines what you wear. So which is it? Do clothes make the person or does the person make the clothes? Well, the answer seems to be both. That how we think about ourselves determines what we wear and what we wear influences how we think about ourselves. Now, at this point, you probably are thinking this sermon is going to be about Christian dress, how we should dress as Christians. It's not. Clothing actually is a metaphor for something more important in the Christian life. So while you could draw some principles from what we're going to talk about this morning in relation to how we dress, we're really wanting to think about something more fundamental, something more important for which clothing is a metaphor. And that is the idea of new life, experiencing the newness of life. The gospel promises that you and I have new life in Christ. The question is, how do we go about actually experiencing that newness of life in all areas of our Christian life? And it just so happens that clothing provides a beautiful picture to understand what it is that God is talking about in relation to the newness of life promised in the gospel. So if you have your Bible, would you turn to the book of Ephesians chapter four? Ephesians chapter four. It's page 828 in the Bibles the church provides. I'm gonna be reading verses 17 to 24. While you're turning, let me remind you where we are in our sermon series in the book of Ephesians. We began by reviewing with Paul basic Christian teachings and doctrines. What do we believe as Christians? And we went through those together. A couple of weeks ago, we shifted 
from that emphasis, excuse me, along with the Apostle Paul, to focus more on implications that come from those basic Christian truths. Two weeks ago, we talked together about unity. Last week, Pastor Tom took us through the idea of maturity. This week, we want to think together about the concept of identity. This is not a fundamental belief of Christianity, but it's an implication that comes out of our fundamental beliefs of Christianity. So listen as I read verses 17 to 24. (coughs) Excuse me. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul begins this section of scripture in verses 17 to 19 saying to you and I, look, you're not supposed to live like a non-Christian. Don't live the way, and he uses the term Gentiles, don't live the way non-believers live. That non-believers have a hardening of their heart and there's a futility to their thinking and that in the world around us, those who don't know Jesus are engaged in simply fulfilling the cravings of their own sinful desires. He says the problem with that is that they are separated from the life of God. We talked about this when we looked at the teaching the Bible has about sin, that the result of sin is living death, a separation from the joy and peace and hope that is resident in God. But the fact that Paul brings this up speaking to Christians means it's a very real possibility that you and I, after having accepted Christ as our Savior and being genuinely converted, can actually continue to live like a non-Christian, that we can continue to live in insecurity and in harshness and in anger. And the question is, how do we experience new life that the gospel promises? How can we experience freedom from bitterness, from anger, from lust, in a real way on a daily experience? Paul says, that's what I want for you. Because even though you and I are Christians, if we live like non-Christians do, we will experience living death. So the question on the table is, how? How does the newness of the gospel, the new life that the gospel promises, how does that actually happen so that you and I are set free from the insecurities, 
the anger, the bitterness that all of us have resident in us. Well, Paul answers the question, how, in verses 22 to 24. He says, you want to know how? You were taught three things. Verse number 22, in the middle of the verse. To put off your old self. That's the first thing Christians are taught. If you want to experience new life, you've got to put off your old self. Verse 23, number two. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. That's the second thing we were taught. And number three, verse 24. To put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now the reason I said that clothing is actually a perfect metaphor to understand how we experience new life is because in this passage, the metaphor of clothing is being used. It may not be immediately obvious, but in verse number 22, that verb put off this is a verb that's often used in the New Testament to speak of taking off clothes. So like in the book of Acts, when the Jewish leaders take off their outer garments and lay them at Saul's feet in order they might participate in the stoning of Stephen, the verb for taking off, that's this verb. Additionally, in verse 24, where Paul says, put on, that word is always used in the New Testament to talk about clothing. The idea of putting on clothing can either be metaphorical or it can be literal. But this is the putting on of clothes, like when Jesus is, puts on a purple robe at the crucifixion. That's this word. And so Paul is using the language of clothing to make his point. Now, to explain what he's saying, let me walk you through an illustration to try to understand what's going on in Ephesians chapter four. For this illustration, I have up here with me some clothes that I brought from my closet at home. I have here a Michigan shirt. My wife brought this for me because I'm a graduate and a fan of the University of Michigan. I have here, uh, this is a shirt, a soccer shirt that I was given while I was playing soccer for my college in England. Uh, this was given to me. I have here a sport coat. This was also given to me by somebody in this church who I think one Sunday decided, hey, buddy, you need some style. Can I buy you? <laughs> Can I buy you a sport coat? So uh, I got a sport coat. This very ostentatious looking thing. This is my doctoral robe from the University of Oxford. Uh, this is what you get when you graduate. Uh, it's a lot of money for a robe. Uh, and this uh, is a shirt that my kids made for me. You can see it's got their handprints uh, and their names on it. It's a t-shirt that they made for me. Now, what Paul's point is, is that when I wake up in the morning and think about what clothes from my closet am I going to wear, what influences my decision is how I'm thinking about myself at that particular moment. So for example, if I come to the closet and I'm thinking of myself as a dad, well, I'm gonna to choose to wear the shirt that sort of represents that because I'm thinking of myself as a parent, as a father, that's a central part of who I am. And if that morning I'm thinking about myself as a dad, well, this is what I'm going to pull out of the closet. 
After all, I'd look pretty silly, crawling around on the floor in a big red robe. If, however, Lisa says to me, we're going to a friend's house to watch the Michigan game, well, when I get dressed in the morning, the garment I'm going to reach for is the Michigan shirt. Because at that moment, my identity as a Michigan Wolverine is what I'm thinking about. And since that's how I'm thinking of myself, well, this is the article of clothing I would choose. Likewise, this morning, when I got up, it was a sport coat that I reached for because I was thinking of myself this morning, not so much as a Michigan fan or as a parent, but as a pastor. And this is the clothing that goes with what it means for me to be pastor. When I'm thinking uh, as an academic or participating in a graduation ceremony, this would be the clothing that I would choose. And it doesn't happen very often anymore, but on a morning when I happen to think of myself still as a soccer player, <laughs> well, I would get up and this would be the article of clothing that I would choose. The point is, how we view ourselves affects the clothing that we wear. But it's also true that the clothing that we wear affects how we view ourselves. So when I'm wearing the t-shirt that my children made for me, I think of myself more and more as a dad. That while I'm wearing that shirt, it reminds me I've got four beautiful children that I am incredibly proud of. And part of my identity, that part comes to the forefront. And I'm reminded, yeah, I may be a whole bunch of other things, but I'm a dad. Likewise, when I'm marrying that Michigan shirt, the part of my identity that comes to the forefront is the part that I'm a fan of the University of Michigan. And so the clothing that I'm wearing shapes how I view myself. This is the point, is that who I am and how I view myself affects what clothing I wear and what clothing I wear affects how I view myself. Now the point of all of this is not about literal clothing. It's a metaphor that Paul is using to speak about behavior. How I view myself as a Christian, Paul says, affects how I behave. And how I behave as a Christian affects how I think of myself. Let me give you an example. If, for example, uh, you are a person who struggles with low self-esteem. And you get up in the morning and you think to yourself, I'm a nobody. I'm worthless, nobody wants to hang out with me. I don't have anything of real value to add to anybody. Well, when you walk to your closet in the morning, so to speak, the garment that you're going to put on is a shirt of negativity. When somebody asks you, do you want to go to lunch today? You may say no, because you can't rationalize why anybody would want to spend time with you. You clothe yourself with negativity and with insecurity because you are thinking of yourself as a worthless person. And when you think of yourself as having no value, that determines the behaviors that you choose to wear. But it's also true that the more negative statements you allow come out of your mouth, the more times you turn down the invitation to lunch, the more it shapes and solidifies in your mind, I must be worthless. There must be no value that I have to anybody. And so the actions and behaviors that we engage in 
shape our thinking about ourselves. Or imagine that you're a husband and you wake up and in the morning you clothe yourself, so to speak, with selfishness towards your wife. You decide, I hate shopping. Why would I want to go buy her a Christmas present? I'll just give her some money and tell her to find whatever she wants. Maybe instead of date night, you cancel that because you want to go hunting with the guys. Maybe your responsibility is taking out the trash every Wednesday morning. <laughs> and you forget because you're busy thinking about stuff that's important to you. Well, the more you clothe yourself in selfish behaviors, the more it will begin to shape your thinking and you will start to think of yourself as the more important person in the relationship. It will form your identity. And conversely, the more you think about yourself as the more important person in the relationship, the more when you get up in the morning, you reach for the selfishness clothes. These two things work together. How we view ourselves affects what we do. What we do affects how we view ourselves. That's why following the passage we just read, Paul launches into a whole series of discussions that have woven together both things that we do and how we think about ourselves. Look, for example, just at the next one, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. You see, what we do, speaking truth and not lying, affects our understanding that we're all part of one body. And our ability to understand we're all part of one body will cause us to speak truthfully to our neighbor and not to lie. These are woven together into one thing. And so the answer to the question, how do you experience the newness of life? How does the gospel take root in our hearts and lives so that we're set free from bitterness and from anger and from all of those ways that we used to be part of when we were non-Christians? Paul says there's two things that have to happen and they have to happen simultaneously. Now I can't speak both of them to you simultaneously, so I have to pick an order to give them to you in, but there's not really an order to them. The first thing that has to happen, as Paul says, you gotta wear the right clothes. Verse 22 and 24, put off your old self, put on your new self. The idea is when you wake up and you walk to the closet in the morning, there are clothes that you can wear that are hanging in your closet that is part of your old way of living. Things like anger and lies. Oh, I got the right two. Anger and lies, harshness, bitterness. And what Paul's saying is, look, when you dress yourself in these clothes, do you like the way you look? Do these clothes make you look good? Well, the more you choose these, the more your mind will be formed and shaped. And of course, you won't experience the new life. But if in the morning you say, look, I don't want this. I don't want this to be my wardrobe. I don't want bitterness. I don't want unwholesome talk. If you say, I want something new, you see, the promise of the gospel is that God in Christ has filled our closet with new clothes. And if we make a choice in the morning, I'm going to wear kindness today. I'm gonna wear forgiveness today. 
I don't like the way those clothes make me look. They make me look fat. I don't want to wear them. <laughs> Paul says if you make the choice, put off that stuff, put this stuff on, and watch what happens. Suddenly you begin to think of yourself as a forgiving person, as a kind person, as a loving person. See, this is how it works. When we become Christians, God doesn't throw all of this stuff away. He simply fills our closet with new clothes. And if you want to be a new person, start wearing new clothes. We're not talking about this kind of stuff. We're talking about behavior. And so every morning you wake up and you choose to clothe yourself with kindness, slowly you will begin to shift how you view yourself. That's the first thing Paul says. The second, it's equally important, he just puts them together here. Verse number 23, to be made new in the attitudes, attitude of your minds. Now notice, to be made new, that's what we would call a passive verb. Verses 22 and 24, put off, that's an active verb. That means you're supposed to do something. You throw the clothes to the ground. You put on new clothes. That's an action we're supposed to take. Verse 23 is a passive verb. That means something is being done to us. And what's being done to us? We are being made new in the attitude of our minds. So the second thing we have to do is not only change our clothes, we also need to allow God to change our minds. It's not something we are doing. It's something God does. You see, when you and I become Christians, this may be hard to believe, but what happens at that moment is that you are crucified with Christ. Amen. That God, through his spirit, takes you and puts you on that cross with Christ. But when you die with Christ and you're raised to new life, you're now a new person. That's why the Bible says if anybody's in Christ, they're a new creation. Our minds are being conformed to the purpose, person of Christ. What that means is that the person who was abused as a child, you're not that person anymore. The person who was filled with immorality, that's just not you. That person doesn't exist, they died. The person who is bound in anger and bitterness, that person has died. The person who was made fun of in high school and is angry about it, that person is dead. What God is saying is, look, you are not who your parents said you were. You are who I say you are. You're not who society says you are. You're not who your friends say you are. You're not even who you say you are. You are who God says you are. And Paul's saying in Ephesians, if you'd let him do it, it'll change your thinking. If you realize that in Christ I'm a new person, that all that other stuff, that died with that old person. He says, when you wake up in the morning and you realize I'm a child of the king, I'm a mighty warrior in God's sight. I am holy and pure and good, not because I feel it, but because God declares it to be so. 
Well, when I walk to my closet, the clothes I'm going to choose, these are the clothes I'm going to choose because I'm a child of the king. That's what Paul is saying. If you allow God to reshape your thinking, it will affect your behavior. Two things. Actively throw away that old stuff and start clothing yourself with acts of kindness and of love and of truthfulness. And at the same time, allow God to reshape who you see yourself as. Not what the world tells you or your family or anybody else, but what God declares you to be. What does this look like practically speaking? Take a person, we're gonna call her Amy. She's in her mid-20s. Amy's been a Christian for a number of years and is doing pretty well in her Christian walk. She's growing. But in a couple of days, Amy's going to be leaving to go home to be with her family for Christmas. And as great as her Christian life is, something strange happens when she walks back through the doors of the house she grew up in. She's simply not the person she was the rest of the year. Suddenly she finds herself, even though her parents love her, she finds herself back in an environment where there's manipulation, where there's gossip, where there's guilt. And all of a sudden, back in the middle of that environment, she finds herself participating again in those same activities. She's wanted to share the gospel with her parents, but she can't. Because when she gets there, she thinks there's nothing different about me than, than them. I seem to be the same person I've always been. How does Amy experience the newness that the gospel has promised to her? Well, Paul says she does two things. When she gets up in the morning in the room that she grew up in and she walks into the closet, she has a choice. She can either put on the old clothes that she always wore in that house, clothes of gossip and manipulation and of stabbing people in the back, or she has a choice. There's a new wardrobe that God has provided for her. And if she makes a decision, today I'm wearing kindness. Today I'm going to wear forgiveness. Today I don't care what anybody else is wearing. These are my clothes. And if she puts those on, she will think of herself as a new person. It will shape how she views her identity. At the same time, when she wakes up in the morning, God is whispering in her ear, you are not the person that your parents said was worthless. You are not the person who engages in gossip and backbiting. That person died. They don't exist. Yes, this may be a room that looks familiar to you, Yes, these people may be people you call mom and dad, but you are a different person. Not just in theory, but in reality. God says, I have declared you, Amy, to be my child. And if she gets up in the morning and she'll just believe that, the actions she's going to engage in are actions of kindness and forgiveness and love. And Paul says doing those two things they will cause the new life that Christ has already won for her to become manifest in her daily experience. Amen. And what's true for Amy is true for you and I. Amen. Unfortunately, it is possible to be a Christian and simply walk in our old ways. And we experience living death when we do it. But God tells, you, tells us, if you'll simply get up in the morning, 
and make the choice to clothe yourself with the clothes Christ has put in your closet. If you will simply think of yourself as having died with Christ and the person who you now are, I mean, Paul says it in Galatians 2, I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. It's Christ who lives in me, and the life I live, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If we can just wake up and realize Jim Samra died, it's now Jesus who's living his life out through my body. Then, newness of life. Then we experience a transformed life. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you that in Christ we have new life. Lord, I recognize and we recognize that the one power Satan has left is that he can continue to lie to us about who we are. He can continue to tempt us to choose old clothes. God, I pray for your mercy and grace in each of our lives to not listen to decide that we want to follow in Christ's footsteps and to be like Christ. I pray for the Amy's that are here this morning who will be going home, maybe this afternoon, maybe in a couple of days, maybe whenever. I pray that when they walk through the doors of their house, they would remember that they have died with Christ and they are a new person, and that they may choose to wear new clothes. God, I pray this for each of us here this morning as we enter the holiday season and as we enter the new year that the newness of life that Christ had promised would be a reality, that you would conform our identities and our, to the image of Christ and that our behavior would match. God, help us. This seems like it's a simple truth, but it's, it's hard to do. Give us the courage to follow and to obey. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.